0: Hello! Nice to see you all. Happy New Year. Look at all these lovely foreheads here. What a pleasure to see you. I hope you had a really nice holiday. It's great to be back with you. We are, if you were with us through Advent, you know that we were doing a series on the incarnation, about what it means for us that God uh, became incarnate in the birth of Jesus that meaning, meaning that he took on human flesh. So we, we heard a little bit over Advent about the vulnerability and the power and even uh, God's willingness to enter into the messiness of human life, all of which God demonstrated for us in the incarnation at Christmas. So today we're going to be thinking a little bit about how we can choose to follow this incarnate God in this coming year. I don't know about you, when I... When I go online personally, I like to split my time about 50-50 between uh, trying to prove that I'm not a robot and like clicking on little things that say that I have read the legal disclosure or uh, have seen the terms and agreements or terms and conditions in my email or whatever. You know, these these kinds of things that I'm talking about, these little... whether it's in online or sometimes, especially as you get older, you know, if you buy a house, some of these things are just like things that show up in person physically, legal things that you're kind of like, nobody actually reads these things. You don't really spend much time uh, actually going through them and then you discover later on that like you agreed to them and now Apple owns your childhood memories or whatever. I sometimes feel a little bit like this kind of stuff has sort of like built into me this habit of, of sort of skimming, of like really speed reading through stuff until I get to the part that's more directly about me. So it's like I, I don't really care about sort of all of your disclaimers or whatever. Just kind of tell me what I need to do. Tell me like what will the effect, the final outcome on me be? And sometimes, to be honest, I find myself even sort of treating the Bible in this way. I, it's like kind of all this stuff. There's all these things in there that are about God's goodness or righteousness or love. And I kind of end up treating them like a little legal disclaimer in a way. Like, "I, I get it, God. you're not. You can't be held liable for all the bad things happening in the world. But let's get to the part that's, that matters to me. Like what are my obligations? What are my blessings? What do I need to do to kind of get these things right? So today we're gonna we are gonna kind of get to that that last page, this sort of summary, this the stuff that offers something to us and asks something of us. And we're gonna talk a little bit about some simple practical ideas about what it means to choose the incarnation. We're gonna do that by looking actually at a single verse in the book of Colossians. And out of all the ways that we could respond to the Incarnation, we're, we're going to focus specifically on prayer, on praying after the Incarnation. And We're going to talk about four features of prayer that, that we can begin to practice in our lives. These are four features of prayer that Jesus has made possible for us in the Incarnation. But first, I just want us to be reminded again of what has been true, I think, of the whole structure of this series and what is true in Colossians. That, that the incarnation is first an expression of God's love and character. Before it says anything about us, before, before we sort of skip ahead to think about what we can do, let's constantly remind ourselves that Christmas is about what God has done. If, if our response isn't grounded in that reality, then all of this sort of ends up being distorted. So over Advent, we, we heard these talks from, from Josh, from Matt, from Mariah, that were first about who God is and what Christmas tells us about God's pursuit of us. In the same way, we, when we turn to Colossians, we have this really this amazing passage. This, it's about God's sort of self-revealed God's own self revealed in the incarnation. This is from Colossians 1. I just want to read this for you because it's so, I love this so much. It's so powerful. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross." This, this is the magnificent God that we worship on Christmas and that we want to live with in the new year. This Jesus, this Jesus to whom everything belongs, who loves us enough to spill his own blood, to reconcile all things to God. And so it's because that the, the Colossians have believed in this God that Paul and the other apostles are praying for them. First, to give thanks. It says in our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. So we're going to look at some features of prayer, or should I say, maybe even ways of praying that we find in Colossians, but we will miss what God is doing if if we say to ourselves, okay, like now we're finally getting to the point of this sermon series. Great, I can make a checklist out of these four things and get to work. Your relationship to God is not a result of all the praying that you have or have not done in your life. Your life with God is a result of Jesus having prayed for you and over you. Jesus is not the answer to your prayers. You are actually the answer to Jesus' prayer. When he came before the Father, he he had you in mind from the beginning. He asked God for you, and here you are. So these four ways of praying are not brand new inventions. They are very old forms of prayer that Christians have used for centuries. And they stick with us because they are ways of praying that invite us to join with Jesus in his prayers. He is exalted. He takes his throne because he is always bowing down before the throne of God. So let's pray together as we dig in. Lord Jesus, pray for us. Pray for us before the Father right now. And give us more of your Holy Spirit that we might understand your will and your word. Amen. So as I said, I want to focus today uh, on just a single verse from this chapter, first chapter of Colossians. This is verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Look at this verse for yourself. What... What do you notice in this verse? What, what does this verse tell us about how the apostles are praying for the church in Colossae? I won't, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you can formulate your own list here. Take it piece by piece. For me, I think that there are kind of four things that, that stand out here. And you know, when really good preachers want to like help you listen remember a list of four things they come up with like a cool acronym or something something that will like really help it stick in your mind and so my resolution is to become one of those good preachers in in 2022 so I came up with this handy little acronym this is like a like a little sticky little four-letter word to help you really remember these four words these four things and that that word is cow Cow. Just try forgetting that. You can't. It's in your it's in your head now. Look, this is important. It's 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 not it's not cow. It's a long cow. Cow. C-O-O-W. So give it give it a little bit of time to grow on you. I can tell I can tell by your foreheads that you are not loving this particular acronym, but that's fine. Four features of prayer after the inc- incarnation. C, a centered heart. O, open eyes. Let me, let me do this. Sorry. C, a centered heart. <laughs> it's a work in progress, this acronym thing. C, a centered heart. O, open eyes. What's that? Another O. The other O, the second O, cow, is for open hands. W, wandering feet. So let's jump in. I could tell you're on board with this. Centered heart. There is something really easy, I think, to overlook in Colossians 1 9, even though I think Paul repeats the idea, but he says, We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God. And it's easy to overlook that that particular repetition because we we just usually don't take it that literally. Like it's like surely Paul doesn't mean that the apostles have literally not stopped praying like that they are continually praying that's crazy surely just Paul just means like we're we're praying a lot for you like once a day or or once a week but not continually right from the beginning Christians have like have really wrestled with this question what if Paul is not here using a figure of speech What if he is describing a real possibility that we could continually be in prayer? Over the years, Christians, particularly in in Eastern Greek-speaking churches, developed this kind of distinction between prayer of the mind and prayer of the heart. Prayer of the mind is what we in the West would normally think of as, as just prayer, where we sit down and we consciously say something to God as if we are sort of having a conversation. But prayer of the heart comes from a deeper place in us. It is when prayer almost becomes kind of like a program that is running in the back of your mind all the time. These Christians came to believe that it's possible to sink so deeply into prayer that a part of you is is praising God all the time, even when you are going about your other business, thinking about other things. So, how, how do you get there? How do you become someone who prays continually? How do you move prayer from your mind to your heart? Well, since at least the 5th century, Christian mystics have have recommended something that they refer to simply as the Jesus Prayer. This is the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. One of the, the best guides to using and experiencing the Jesus Prayer was written by this anonymous Russian monk in the 19th century. We don't know this person's name, but it's called The Way of a Pilgrim. I highly recommend it. It's almost like a journal or reflection on this monk's experience with the Jesus prayer. He starts off by trying to just say that that prayer with his mind, just like you normally would, as often as he can remember to do it, throughout the day. And then he would even start to set aside times during his day, when he would just sit in silence before the Lord and repeat this prayer over and over and over again. Over the course of months and then of years, he, he found that this prayer was becoming more automatic for him. That almost like a song that gets stuck in your head. He found himself muttering it under his breath even without really knowing that he was doing it. And as he continued to go deeper in it, over time he found that his internal life was being reoriented around this prayer. It's almost like his heart was permanently taking the kind of posture that it took every time he prayed. Even if he wasn't saying the words, he was somehow becoming more humble, becoming more dependent on Jesus as he prayed this prayer. It's almost like his life was turning into this prayer. And that transformation is something Christians refer to as prayer of the heart. I don't necessarily think that there's anything like magical about this particular formula of words, although, I mean, I I could be wrong about that, but you could probably find any number of, like, one-sentence prayers that express your own praise and longing to God, that express for you how you are hoping to be changed by God. And you could then take that sentence and introduce it more and more into your thought life this year. This is very similar to what some Christians will refer to as breath prayer prayer. If you want to look up examples of other prayers that people have used as breath prayer in their lives, so you could start very small. You could put something like this on a piece of paper, put it next to your bed, use it, put it as like a background on your on your phone or on your desktop. Just notice it, say it out loud. Look for reasons to keep saying it. It it is the incarnation of Jesus that opens up this kind of new possibility for us, that with Christ's Spirit in us, our whole Beings can become, can come before God. It's not just our minds, not just our words, even, but the very deepest parts of us, the very deepest places of our emotions and longings, the things that are running inside of us that we're not even fully aware of. We could turn those things over to the Lord. We could understand our hearts as centered on God. Second, open eyes. It seems almost maybe too too obvious to mention, but one of the features of the prayer in Colossians 1.9 is that the apostles are turning outward. They are praying for other people, for the church. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. In some ways, praying for other people is the original Christian prayer. It is what Jesus does for us. We, we are most like Jesus when we are praying for other people. And it's what Jesus teaches us in a way to do as the very first thing right at the beginning of the Lord's prayer your kingdom come and your will be done on earth for everyone for everything it is tempting to think of prayer sometimes as a kind of like just a kind of Christian meditation where it's a thing that we do to sort of make our lives peaceful and more manageable for ourselves but the, the incarnation has showed us that God's heart is directed outwards his prayers are for us And so to join in that kind of praying, we have to learn how to pray for other people. Sometimes that's as simple as as just having the vulnerability, as Josh reminded us a few weeks ago, of, of just saying to someone, hey, can I pray for you? And then praying for them. But if even that feels too vulnerable for you, you can start by making more of your private prayers about other people and about their welfare. Our, our spiritual formation pastor, uh, Bill Elander, he, he told me a little while back about a list of people that he keeps that he prays for regularly. Now, this is not a list of, like, everyone that he's ever known or loved. It is a list of folks that, for whatever reason, God has put on his heart. And it, and it stood out to me, it was interesting, in part because I, I do the same thing. I have this very old Bible, and inside the cover of it, I, I keep a list of people I commit to praying for regularly. Some of them are people I have known. Some of them are people that I I barely knew. But for some reason, God put them on my heart. You could commit to praying regularly for neighbors, for strangers, for a city block, for a street corner, for an organization, for people you haven't even met yet. It's, It's all fair game. It sounds simple. That's because it is. It It doesn't sound that profound, but imagine how your heart would be changed over time if your first thought every time you came before God was actually about someone else's good. There is something deeply, deeply incarnational about that. There's this oral tradition that has been passed down uh, for centuries about James, the the brother of Jesus, who was one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' death and resurrection, it says that when when he was very old James they said about James that the skin on his knees was as thick and rough as a camel's skin. And that was because every day for years and years and years he would go to the temple kneel down in the presence of God and pray for the salvation of Israel. He never stopped praying for his people. And that is there is something to learn in that persistence. To focus our eyes over and over again on the people around us. To ask God for the blessing of others over and over again. Third, open hands. Picture like hands being held open to receive, to praying with the expectation that God gives good gifts. In Colossians 1.9, the apostles describe themselves praying for the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. And they want all of it, the whole spectrum of good gifts that belong to Christ, who is the firstborn of creation. We can pray for wisdom and understanding through the Spirit's gifts. In fact, Scripture urges us to do so. Are you praying these days for your gifting? Are you praying for a gift of healing? Are you you praying for a gift of encouragement? Are you praying for a gift of prophecy? What would stop you? It's available. It's, it's all freely available in the incarnation because all of it belongs to Christ. It's a good and healthy thing over time that we start to understand ourselves better and, and we start to understand what we really desire and also what is not really us. But we have to remain open to the possibility that, that there are even more gifts inside of us than we realize. That we can start to become excited to discover new dimensions of ourselves. I was talking to somebody the other day about, actually, about one of our home groups, Artists Circle, which meets once a month. It's led by Tina and Mariah. Someone was asking me, do you have to be an artist to join Artists Circle? And the answer is, well, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what you mean. Of course, you don't have to be some kind of established artist. But, you know, you do have to be someone who is just curious about creativity. Someone who is, like, interested in giving it a try. The honest answer is that many people over the years have joined Artist Circle, and it's only because of Artist Circle that they have started to realize, wait, am I an artist? I think I'm an artist. I never realized that that was in me. I never gave myself freedom to explore that passion. But that's actually who I am. So you don't have to be an artist to join Artist Circle, but if you want to join, you might discover that you are one anyways. The only qualification that you need is just the curiosity about that possibility. And the same thing actually goes for all the rest of God's gifts. If there are gifts that you hear about and think, I definitely, I definitely don't want that, well then, I mean, who knows? That, that may be not your gifting. But if there are gifts that you hear about and think, you know, that sounds strange, I'm not totally sure how I feel about that, but I'm curious— that's the, only question, that's the only qualification that you need to start praying that God would help you realize a gift that you have been given. So pray with open hands, asking for the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's a prayer that's worth praying for ourselves, it's worth praying for others, and it's a prayer worth receiving from others. This form of prayer is not just about certain words to say. It is about praying alongside of other people. Letting other people see you. Receiving their help to identify gifts in you. We try to create spaces like home groups that for those kinds of relationships. And you'll occasionally see other opportunities. Things like uh, come Holy Spirit events that we have every once in a while. Those are great times to ask for God's gifting in a new way. And it's quite common for ECVers, perhaps when they are going through a season of discernment about gifting or about vocation, that they will just ask their friends to gather around them and pray and listen to the Holy Spirit. All those are ways of praying with open hands, expecting that we will let the Spirit come upon us through the gathering of Christ's body. The incarnation of God in Christ opens up for us a world in which we— all of us are asked to incarnate Christ's body until his return. And we then can become a source of God's power and vulnerability to one another, to other people, in the messiness of our lives. We can receive God's wisdom and understanding as the church, as God's people. Fourth, wandering feet. Maybe that's a strange phrase, wandering feet can sound kind of sound like a bad thing. Do we want to wander? Shouldn't we have like a little bit more direction and guidance than that? But throughout Christian history, there there have been lots and lots of examples of people who have sought to incarnate Christ for others, and their strategy for doing that was to imitate Jesus by imitating his lifestyle: traveling from place to place, praying and healing, and sharing the gospel with others. So this is a picture. This is a picture of my guy, St. Finian. He looks, it looks a little bit like he just called somebody like offsides in a soccer game. He's actually holding up like a torch in front of him to light the way for other people. Finian was a 6th century monk. Before he started a, a monastery, he spent years wandering the countryside in Ireland sharing the good news about Jesus with others. I picked him because... Why not? He's Irish. That's good enough for me. But I could have picked any one of thousands and thousands of other people, similar preachers, men and women, people that we refer to now sometimes as itinerant preachers. These are people who wandered around sharing Jesus with others. It's not super common in Connecticut in the year 2022 Although you will still meet an occasional itinerant preacher here, but in other parts of the world today, or even in Connecticut a couple hundred years ago, it was a, there was a lot of kingdom work being done by people who just wandered. The apostles were wanderers themselves, or at least they seemed like wanderers. They traveled a lot without necessarily knowing where they were going to end up. And yet they, they weren't lost, they were wandering because they were trying to follow God's leading. So in Colossians 1.9, they pray for the people the same thing that they probably prayed for themselves. That they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And I think that there is this actually an important connection, more important than we realize, between wandering and knowing God's will. Remember that the, the context for Colossians 1 is that in the incarnation, God has revealed this human being, Jesus, as himself, as God this rabbi, this wandering preacher, this itinerant teacher who lived a very particular way of life, he is where God is revealed. He is Lord over any, everything. So Jesus can wander anywhere because it all belongs to him. He is never totally a stranger anywhere. Any place where the Father is at work can be Christ's home. So what can this, this kind of wandering look like for us? You might even think back, if you were around to last spring, last, the, the Lenten season last year, when our, our good news pastor at the time, Daniqua, she was inviting us to spend our Saturdays during Lent visiting parts of New Haven that we, had never, that we might not have seen before. That's a, that's a good example of a really easy wandering that's available to us. Take a, take a turn down a street that you've, you've never seen before, to stop at a store you've never really noticed. Take your kids to a new park. Go for a walk and just kind of get lost for a little while. Show up to something new, a new organization, a new meeting, a new event. Join our our crew of folks that have been going to the downtown evening soup kitchen. Just ask the Lord to help you see what his will is for you and for this place that you're in. Start a conversation with a stranger. Stop to help someone who looks lost. Ask the Lord what his will is for this person what the vulnerability and power of the Incarnation has to offer them. We don't usually think of wandering itself as a a form of prayer, but when we do it, we are actually much closer to Christ's example than we realize. It doesn't take that much for us to invite Jesus into these wandering encounters, and that's partly because he is the one actually inviting us to be encountered. Sometimes we let Jesus become too safe, too, too easy to ignore, because we only ever approach him from the same angle, over and over again, expecting that we already know what he can do and what he's useful for. But it wouldn't, to wander is to be invited to see new sides of Jesus. And if, while we wander, we are just keeping up a conversation with the Holy Spirit, if, if we are saying simply, Lord, let me see what your will is here, then we will grow and we will learn. So let your feet wander and expect that God will speak to you. Let your feet wander, even if you're not totally clear on what the plan is or what exactly you're supposed to be accomplishing here. That's actually the point. You don't know what's next. And so you will have to learn to listen, have to learn how to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. If we think of prayer only as something that we do in a kind of window of time, you know, sort of like the the kneeling by your bed at night, model of prayer, then we're tempted, I think, to think of it as one among many competitors for our time. And that's that's not totally wrong. There may actually be something in this season. Maybe we should just let prayer win out over other priorities in our lives. Maybe we should, like, let it take up space that could be used for other things. But that's not the whole end and sum of prayer. Prayer is not just one of many things that we could be doing. Prayer can become part of who we are, part of our orientation, part of our internal experience of the world. And that's only possible because Jesus has come to dwell on earth, in human flesh, and he has come to dwell in every part of creation, and he has sent his spirit to dwell in us. And if all that's true, then consider just how unlimited The life that is available is the life that is available to us through the Incarnation. Consider what it means to serve this Christ, the one who is reconciling all things to God. And so when you think of prayer in in 2022, I would just invite you to let your definition expand a little bit. Don't settle for just a normal cow. Stretch it out. Cow. Cow. Let the repetition of simple prayers center your heart, open your eyes, and fix them on others, praying for them even before you pray for yourself. Open your hands and pray to receive more of God's good gifts. And pray as you wander, bumping into the world, getting caught up in the unexpected, knowing that Christ is there in this new thing. And you will understand his will better as you understand him better. So I'm going to invite the the worship team up. And as I do, I also want to invite you to join me in taking communion. Communion itself, and you can grab these little cups of juice and uh, a wafer. Communion itself is not actually totally separate from prayer. It's not totally distinct from prayer. It is also this place where we express our desire to be united with Jesus. This is also a place where we come before the throne of God with him, as him, as his body. So, why don't you take out the little wafer with me. On the night that he was crucified, or on the night before He was arrested, I should say. Jesus was with his disciples. And after supper, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you have come into this space even before we arrived today. That you were already here before us, eagerly waiting to meet with us, that you called us here, each one, that you brought us here for a reason, that you had something you wanted to say to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that that hope, that longing in us, that already is in us, that you express with groans deeper than words can express, that it would bounce back upon us, that our longing would also be God's longing for us and that we would come here to meet with you in our worship. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.